Welcome back to the Get Unstuck and On Target podcast. I'm Mike O'Neill with Bench Builders, and we work with growing companies, especially manufacturers, to improve their people, process, and planning systems so they can scale faster and scale smarter. Joining me today is Ryan Nidell. Ryan is a business growth specialist, and he's the founder of Ryan Nidell Strategies. Ryan is a principal in a private equity group, the CEO of two eight-figure companies, and he sits on the boards of several other companies. Ryan has helped with the acquisition or exit of more than 11 companies while seeing their collective revenue surpass more than $237 million. Ryan has successfully tripled the revenue of more than five companies in in less than two and a half years. And in doing that, he also added an extra $950 million in valuation to their companies. So you can see why I want to invite Ryan on the podcast. Welcome, Ryan. Thanks, Mike. Great to be here. Appreciate you inviting me. Ryan, I have got to know you in these conversations. And one thing that kind of stuck out with me is something that you write. And that is, if our topic is keys to growing your business, you write, large numbers of prosperous companies are actually successfully stuck, content with above market performance when an order of magnitude of higher profit is frequently possible. Share a little more about that. I would love to, Mike. So in my experience, there's there's this beautiful place of happy contentment that a, a CEO may arrive to. And what I mean by that, if I'm a, if I'm a first generation CEO, if I'm the founder of a business, and I've I've given birth to this really another child for most mm-hmm. of the individuals I get to spend time with, and they've seen this child grow and mature, you know, from the idea of a startup to maybe your first million to the staffing to the to the growth, and there becomes a point to me that I typically see in between year five and year ten as a generalization where we're we're past the, the hurdles, right? There's always new challenges, but there's a st- stable business now. There's a, a, a lifestyle which allows for good travel and good income. I'm a car guy myself, so maybe a nice nice car to maybe country club membership. And you've got, you've got a lot of people around you supporting your mission, vision, and value. And by the nature of that, it's like I, I see these, these first-time CEOs. It's like their foot comes off the accelerator a little mm-hmm. bit. They're not coasting, but they, they've lost the fact that, that that accelerator can go all the way to the floor. And by the nature of that, the business is no longer, while it's still growing, right? To me, these you still have brilliant business owners, entrepreneurs, CEOs that have, have grown this business. Again, if we're, we're talking two, three times a factor of inflation, so it's still outpacing the market. But yet, they've lost sight of the fact when they started, they were seeing 50 to 100% growth year over year. Hmm. Start buying into this story that, well, we're, we're too big to do that now. It's not possible to do that now. And that starts to put this, filter or cap on the way that they not only view business, but to potentially life where there's a nice sweet spot that I've found in conversations with CEOs or, or businesses that I'm fortunate to acquire in which those are great places. But let me come in and show you that if someone comes in with new eyes, someone comes in with a new vigor and passion for this, and someone comes in with a larger destination than the owner currently might have, you can just jump right back into that exponential growth very rapidly. Um, again, so brilliant what you share and what you coach on, what, what you consult on, right? From from the people to the processes to, to, the, to the systems that support it. It doesn't seem to matter to, in my experience, Mike, I'd love to know your thought. 
it hasn't mattered which business that's in, right? For me, it's, I go from manufacturing to an educational-based business to a fortune to be part owners in a bank. They're all the same, right? That there's, there's the people, the processes, and some level of scalability to support that. And it, it, it's really fascinating to me to, to see the correlations between them and just coming in with a new set of eyes quite often presents incredible opportunities. Ryan, you are asking about the industry. You're exactly right. It seems as if the issues that I see are universal. It really doesn't matter what the industry is. But you have found kind of a, a theme, and the theme is business owners or CEOs. Business is good. But what you have found is if there's a tendency to sometimes take your foot off a little bit of the accelerator, um, you're trying to point out, hey, this the potential is far greater what do you find really gets the CEO's attention to say, yep, yeah, I'm going to start working with Ryan and, and his teams? So for me, my, my process, Mike, is I just generally like to get to know an owner. There's not a position. There's not some sort of, hey, I'm coming and I'm going to change the world for you because I don't inherently know if that's going to be true in the business or not. I typically spend a day or two just getting to know the, the history of the business, the CEO himself, maybe maybe the C-suite executives. Uh, typically, it lends itself nicely to an on-site type of visit, and then it's just a presentation of what I found. And that presentation, to me, is not uh, obligatory. It's you know, right here's here's what I'm seeing, and these examples, whether there's you know books to support it, or trainings to support it, or an MBA to support it, whatever whatever the pieces of parts are to help support that level of um, understanding in the business. Then it leaves the the owner with the opportunity. I like to give them the playbook, but I, I laughingly use the analogy, a sports analogy, right? I can I can give you the Dallas Cowboys playbook, but it doesn't mean you can call the plays, execute them, or win the Super Bowl just because he ended up with the playbook itself. And so it's it's not even that give and take. It's hey, look, I'm I feel very comfortable and confident that there's a very clear path for this much growth. And I like to treat growth, Mike. I'd, I'd love to hear your perspective. It's not only top line, but it's bottom line. And so many people in, in I, I think, our space or spaces that you know, we might have played in at different times in our life come in and say, I'm going to grow your top line by 500%. Well, if I just spend 700% more money, I can probably do that pretty pretty linearly, right? It doesn't actually increase the, the net margin of the business or the overall value of the business. So that's typically what leads me down, to, down the road of you know, why would someone work with me? And then it's, there's a, a morph that happens where as I'm helping a, a CEO or a COO, really a C-suite, go through their process, occasionally they say, I just don't have the appetite for this. Hmm. I don't, it's been really fun over the past 10 years to get to this point, but I'm realizing that when I founded my business at 45 and now that I'm 55, I don't have the same appetite for the hunger to, to drive it. It's beautiful this is happening. What can I do now? And that what can I do now is starting to have the the exploration into whether it's you know selling off some equity, selling out the company, having some sort of transition, whether it's to a next of kin or someone inside the business itself with an owner finance deal, or or potentially someone like myself coming in and being able to to buy up a large portion of the business to still execute the same plan. I like to then show those business owners that they can win twice, where depending on the potential growth of the business, if they were to sell off, you know, conversely, eighty percent of the business to me. And they retain 20%. Because if I, I can grow the business value five times over, they they get to I'll call it double dip. It sounds you know potentially not a, not as attractive as I mean it to, 
but they win now and they win probably in three to five years later. Plus they're, they're still getting their distributions, dividends, right? They're still along for the journey. They just have removed themselves from the necessity of having to be the one to decide how hard to push the gas down. You made a comment a moment ago about maybe losing the appetite. And one thing that kind of caught my attention is you're pretty open about your methodology. As I understand it, one of the first things that you do is you help the business owner, the CEO identify at least one core competency that can create big results with the least internal effort. Tell me a little more about that. I love that. There's a lot of power in that one sentence. Yeah, thanks, Break it down. So it's almost, what is it? Archimedes, right? Give me a lever long enough. I can, I can show you how to lift the world. Hmm. And I feel like in most businesses that that is actually very truthful, where I think an example might be, be valuable here, where I came into a company that is a, I'll call it a sales and manufacturing based company of a consumable good. And this, this company had been around for gosh, 10 years or so when I came on board, two founding partners, beautiful business, beautiful model, but the owners were in that, I'll call it in that, in that gray space. And gosh, I mean, it's working. My life is good. Could it work better? Maybe. I don't really know. I'm kind of I'm kind of past my skill set, but I don't know if I need to go get a new skill set because the business is good. And coming in and, and just spending, it might have taken me four months to get to this point with them. So this was more of a consulting type of agreement with these individuals. Mm-hmm. I started to really pull apart not only their sales methodology, but their pricing and, and kind of the regional way they were selling their products and realizing that in, in a, a very base level, they were having their sales team focus on very small accounts. So it was a lot of effort for very small yield. And the business had just morphed into that over 10 years and no one thought to look there. Mm-hmm. Now it's, there was a sales manager, it's an established business. One of the founders is a purebred salesperson. I think most, I don't know what your experience has been like, but for me, a lot of the CEOs I get to spend time with, they're, they're sales professionals by nature. The selling is, is, is part of the, the makeup uh, for, for a lot of these individuals. And it had just been over you know, that eight to 10 year time period, they just took their eye off the ball as to where they were focusing. So, you know, getting on stuck and on target, there's their target got small and they, they didn't remember how big the target could be. And so we created just a very simple process. We took the, the top sale, top two sales professionals, and we had them hunt for what we called whales, right? It's, it's okay that you know, people are hunting for, you know, tuna or minnows or whatever other <laughs> analogy we'd like to make other meta- metaphor but yet we took the two best and helped you know go out and cultivate leads for them help open some doors the ceo and myself were involved in a series of conversations where all of a sudden this business by literally just taking a step back and looking at what made them successful at a different season in life putting two salespeople in that that key role business that year might grew oh, please don't hold me to it, but somewhere between 110 and 150 percent by doing nothing else and refocusing something that, that the owners knew and thought in their soul was happening real time. They didn't even consider the fact that for some reason, the best sales guys were now going after accounts that were yielding you know, $2,000, $3,000 a month versus now the same company that I'm, I'm fortunate to be you know, an equity partner in. And that's one of the companies that now gets operated as CEO. And right now those same, some of these same, same customers, same clients, they're you know high six figures, low seven figures a month right? From, from the same salesman, from the same sort of methodology, from the same product set. And it's really 
sitting back and saying, gosh, what it's almost how how much of a, a change can happen with something that's so painfully simple and obvious, we've probably just overlooked it. And it's like the the stain on the carpet that you don't even notice is there because you've walked by it for six months. And it's the only thing when you go to sell your house, it's the only thing that somebody sees when they walk in is that stain because it's so painfully obvious. You just, you build up that calcification to the systems that you've built, which is why I think for any thriving and growing business or business that wants to, I think it's imperative. For me, it's at least once a year, even in my business, it's bringing in outside eyes. It's taking capital out of my pocket. It's investing in a consultant, a mentor, a specialist, somebody, because I can't see what I've been running into for so long because it's very normal for me. And I see that again, like with business owner after business owner and brilliant individuals. These aren't, you know, slouches. These are these are men and women that are very accomplished, right? multiple degrees, tons of track record and success, great income, great family life. They're just static, right? They're, they're, they're growing, but the business is static. New eyes really present great opportunities. You know, your response actually answered the question that I typically ask of all the podcast guests and has shared an example where a client got stuck. And you give us a great illustration there of how they were successfully stuck. So I appreciate you kind of elaborating on that. You mentioned the spot on the carpet. You may not know, I'm speaking to you from the floor covering capital of the world. So anybody listening, if you got a spot on the carpet, there's only one solution, tear it up and replace it. Help <laughs> help our, our regional economy if you possibly can. You know, Ryan, you mentioned that kind of the approach you take with businesses is you bring in a fresh set of eyes and you look for perhaps one thing that can have the most impact with the least internal effort. And you kind of, by your description says, and you really focus on, the example you just gave is pull your two top sales performers. Everybody else keep doing what they're doing, but pull those and kind of redirect them to targeting those wells. As you step back and look at how you have worked with clients, you said that you help them look at top line and bottom line. Do you obviously you want to do both, but it sounds to me that you have seen the biggest return on top line, but maybe I'm wrong. I wouldn't say that you're wrong, Mike. I think that it's some of these are situational case by case. I don't know about your findings, but mine are take a CEO again, first generation CEO. I have found that there is a deficiency in their understanding of more mature accounting and finance principles. And the business that they're great at logging the bank account and pressing refresh and seeing there's more money there, right? So for them, things are working well and their income has went up. So things are working well and there's distributions. So things are working well. But what I found is if I, if my entry points in the business are specifically around finance and accounting and really diving deep into that, I have found it to be most successful for myself to, to earn someone's trust first. And with the fact that these these CEOs typically have a, a sales background. They were the ones to help, you know, get the company up off the ground and then maybe were vital in the, in the sales in the early years. Pretty simple for me to, to lean into that sales side to start with while growing top line, but top line without a, a additional expenses, right? I think it's important for me as, as well when I spend time with these, these brilliant business owners 
It's not to say that what you have built is broken. I think that's an inefficient and un inappropriate way for me to approach, approach any business. What you're doing is working. It becomes my job through our conversations and through analyzation of the business to see what are the things that we could do to test against the control that you have built. Because it's not, everything you're doing can't be wrong because you have a very successful business that's been here for years and years. They're typically growing, but a, a little static. And so by the nature of that, of course, the, the top line becomes something to me, revenue solves a, a lot of shortcomings for businesses. But as that's ramping up and someone can see, okay, this, this guy might have some idea what he's talking about, track record aside, it, you never know until you know. I like to earn someone's trust, not actually like to borrow their trust first and then earn it over a period of time. Hmm. And and as we go go through this together, then I can start po pointing out, okay, let's, let's start looking at your cash to cash cycle. Let's start looking at your, your utilization, how many turns of capital you're able to get. What, what's the free cash flow? And then how are you deploying that capital? Right. Again, my, my, that sweet spot for me, these typically aren't hyper sophisticated individuals. They're, they're successful. But as far as I think a, a CEO's main job is, you know, capital allocation comes, comes really high on the list. I think that a level of culture and a level of growth and strategic accounts becomes vital for a CEO. And I find that the capital allocation side sometimes is a little murky. Right? It's, well, gosh, I've got $20 million in the bank and I don't need any more equipment because my equipment's working really well. I, I don't need a bigger facility. And so I just get to hit refresh and see 20 million go to 21 million, go to 22 million and realize I'm like, okay, well, what if we went ever, after market share? What if we went after starting to, to acquire some of your competitors? What if we started to consider becoming vertically integrated? Let's just open up dialogue for the what ifs that could happen. And so by the nature of that, to me, we, we do see the top line focus then it steps into a little bit of the bottom line where we start looking at, again, what are what are some of the basic things? What's your you know, average age of receivable that might be on your books? What can we do to tighten that up? Are there things that we can do to enhance the, the, the net cash flow and, and shorten down that cycle? And then it gets into more strategic growth initiatives to me. At some point, it, it's fascinating if you're, if you're familiar with the work of Bryce Pritchett or not, but brilliant individual to me and his book, U Squared, that at some point, you can't do more of what got you to this point expecting exponential growth. I almost have to sit back and say, gosh, this is really scary, but what got me here is probably not going to get me there. We have to almost reevaluate where we're focusing our time. And the CEOs, again, that I'm incredibly fortunate to spend time with, and, and maybe as you're listening, you're one of them, that things are good and it, the business is growing, revenue's coming in, there's profit. But there's this whole other game to be played where you take that skill set and you go after acquisitions. You take the same salesmanship that a CEO has that got their business to this point, and you start looking at competitors. You start looking at supply chain. You start looking at distribution arms and start selling those business owners on why it might be beneficial for them to partner with you or be acquired by you. You start selling banks and, and financial institutions, right? private equity groups or any number of individuals, even mezzanine debt on why it's valuable to, to stake you with some capital. Because again, if my business is running at a 25% net margin, hypothetically, I'm able to raise debt for even 14 to 15 points. And as long as the repayment terms are appropriate and I can see growth on the acquisition, the justification for that for that debt service is, is there. It's there if you can lay it out to someone and, and, and 
in my side, Mike, I'm reasonably intelligent, but I'm not all that smart. I like to take complicated things and make them really simple so people can understand it. And I find if I can, if I can draw something up on the back of a napkin, say, hey, you might want to consider this instead of the crazy complicated spreadsheets and write a discount of cash flow analysis and doing all these things that many CEOs, their eyes kind of glaze over and does, it's not that important to them. Those things create a new perspective, which gets someone into to me that U squared type of situation from price. It's just, okay, what I, what I did, it worked really well to get me here, but to get me there, I might want to focus on this stuff. Now, maybe I do have that vigor for the business again. Maybe I don't want to press the gas down to grow what I've built now. Maybe that's a chief of staff coming in. Maybe that's, you know, removing yourself as CEO, backfilling with the CEO and moving into more of a chairman of the board type of role. Like some of these things are are just right on the precipice. It's it's just outside someone's awareness because maybe they haven't considered it. Someone hasn't showed it to them before. Or they're unfamiliar with the, the principles. They think it's too challenging or too scary. They're going to get eaten alive. It's uh, another fascinating point is almost every CEO that I've spent time with has heard a horror story of someone losing their business in a private equity transaction. Hmm. They've heard of one of those and they lose sight of the 35 people they know that have successfully exited or acquired more businesses and increase their net worth. But they hold on to that negative emotion of the one guy or gal that just didn't, didn't hit the nail on the head. Ron, you've given us a great overview of the kinds of things you help your clients with. And the term exponential growth kind of kept coming up. That is the goal, of, of course. But with exponential growth, what new challenges does that present to a business owner, to a leader? Oh, Mike, what a brilliant question. To me, it's it's almost always personnel. It's almost always staffing first. And it's that fact of when you start to see the exponential lift, especially after a season of stability but consistent growth, there's a fairly good probability in my experience that the brilliant people that helped you get here are going to be slightly deficient in their skill set to get there. Yes. But you've got loyalty to them. You've mm-hmm. got history with them. They're they're good people. They they've helped you make a really good life for yourself. And they probably have a really good life for themselves during that time period as well. And so the almost always the first challenge is a personnel-based challenge that I see. And it's people becoming uncomfortable. It's like, whoa, this is scary now. We're we're going really fast again. And what was wrong with how we were doing things? And that speed starts to then flush out to me more deficiencies in the operating system. Mm-hmm. Right? It almost always gets into an ops-based conversation of, gosh, we, we weren't set up for this sort of this sort of potential rapid growth. And so even the ops conversations, right? That's gonna be more the process side of things that you share. But I still backfill into, into a people, a people conversation first, where you, you might have to start going to market and looking for a different CFO and a different different COO or controller or however the business is structured. And not because you don't care. It's actually one of the, the shifts that I work on with, with the business owners is you caring about someone wholeheartedly is allowing them the opportunity to learn from someone that has a greater skill set than they have. It's you bring in a CEO or a COO or CFO that has a, a massive track record in history. The CFO you might have now that's helped you get from you know, starting point to whatever the number is in this moment, if he or she is open to it and is more of a growth mindset type of individual and isn't at the end of their career, which is a lot of ifs, 
Mm-hmm. It's wonderful to have someone come in that's that's traversed the next season of life. That's been through potentially, you know, some some debt raises or a private equity exit or something along those lines. Maybe a level of compliance and oversight, maybe an, an audit based history that are just new and being able to to help a, a business owner really pour into what it means to be a, a champion of your people, right? It, it just almost always, that's the first, that's the first linchpin. That's the first bottleneck. That's every time, Mike, I, I can't, I can't come up with one example in the past. Gosh, I mean, even my first company that before consulting, before exits was a web hosting company that just kind of a lot of right place, right time, Mike. But we took this thing from 10,000 clients and I came on board as a sales professional to 580,000 clients in about two years. Goodness. And it, it, it's a, an order of magnitude of chaos everywhere all around us because money is coming in so rapidly that we almost don't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. And it was the people, the people, and I can sheepishly raise my hand. I was one of the people that was not qualified to be in the business as we grew. I mean, we were you know, trending for $3 million a year in revenue when I came on board and inside of uh, 12 months, we were at 55 million. Goodness. And it was instant. And I go from sales professional, affiliate manager specifically, to CEO and partner. They, they were just, I'm a, a 27, 28 year old, I'll call it boy at that point, maybe even child. I can, I can be a little more disparaging with the skills that I have now versus then. Hmm. And man, it just, it, I was a people problem. It was, it was me. I, readily acknowledge sometimes what you have to do is is bring in the capability because you can't build it in-house. What is your thought about when you've got folks who have the right skills but need refreshing? What is your thought about developing managers, professional development, growing them as leaders? I think it's paramount. I think that one of the core competencies and businesses that I'm a part of or or one of the, the edicts that I like to help say install or suggest is I believe it's our responsibility to lead people better than we found them. And I don't get to decide what that means for someone that works with me. For some people, for some of our employees, it might be more money. Maybe that leaves them better. For a lot, I hope it's more education. It's a deeper skill set. And having a level of continuing education be a part of their, to me, quarterly objectives, which tie to their bonus outcomes. I mean, as we get into comp structure, I support all of these things collectively together that it's not just what are you doing to drive the business forward to enhance your, your income? What are you doing to drive yourself forward? Because I want, I want growth-minded individuals that, that want to enhance their skill set. And so to me, it's paramount to lean into that consistently. And to me, that's that's the, the challenge and the struggle back and forth that I personally go through, Mike. And I would, you know, selfishly having you on the call, would love your insight in it because it is a real issue for me. It's I have brilliant people that are trying to grow. They want to grow. They're, they're doing the continuing education. They're signing up for courses. They're, they're completing them. But the rate in which some of these businesses are growing is still outpacing the rate that they're able to grow their skill set. They're not doing anything wrong. They're incredible individuals. They love them as much as I could love a coworker appropriately, right? It's, it's they're, they're just, they're two years behind where they need to be for the speed at which we're running and it's saying, okay, I'm navigating these waters and I see some things coming up in which, you know, we're, we're going from 50 million year in revenue to now 120 million to, you know, through a couple acquisitions, this company I'm referring to will be reasonable to hit, you know, 200 million in, in revenue next year. 
And it's, it's just a really different company when you get a board of directors and, you know, PCAOB audits and some things that really are required for, for an IPO. It's a different world. Like the team's trying to catch up, but Mike, they are, they're just not catching up with the speed at which we're growing. Like, gosh, I, I don't want to let them go because I generally care about these people. I need someone with a bigger skill set at the same time. What, what do you, I'm, I'm, I'm borrowing your time right now. What are you doing in that situation? Well, what you're describing is exponential growth. And most of my experience has not been with clients that are experiencing exponential growth. It's been incremental growth. And so you have a little more runway to do what needs to be done. Based on what you've kind of described, if an organization has brought you in, embraced the ideas that you have introduced, and it's taking off, I think you have to change what you have to do. And so I, I tend to agree with what you just described, and that is when a company's growing that fast, it opens up a whole new set of issues that many people have never seen before. They are clearly in over their head, if you would, that if it's done right and you bring the right person in, that can give a sense of relief, if that would be the right term. And if it's done right and that same person stays on and learns from, then all everybody wins in that scenario. But it requires adaptability. It requires nimbleness. And so I, I'm glad we kind of got into this aspect, and that is taking your foot off the gas might be a natural tendency for a CEO of a successful company, might even be for highly successful. But you're introducing that with a, a few things, the potential could be in place to really open things up. And though we only briefly touched on it, the CEO who is the founder or as the owner, it opens up so many new sets of questions. And that that could be a yet another whole podcast episode. And that is you know, preparing for exit. And it, there's so many different aspects of, of that. And so whereas you are helping address an issue, it creates new issues, but it's very exciting, but it takes work. And it takes someone with expertise like yours to kind of help shepherd that process. You know, Ryan, as you kind of reflect on what has been shared today, if you were to summarize what you hope our viewers and listeners have as takeaways, what would they be? Summarization of, of what I would hope that you're getting as you're listening, especially if you're in that business owner seat, is twofold. It's one, I'm, I implore you to get outside counsel on the business with a fresh set of eyes. Again, someone like Mike, someone like myself, some someone that that their job is to show you something greater than you've seen before. What I don't suggest it is, is your next door neighbor, a good friend, someone you've been around for a long time. You need somebody in, in that spot of a, a authoritative confidence that you can you know, lend, lend your trust to for just a moment in time, instead of having, you know, putting up your, your, your hackles for a moment and saying, gosh, I built this. Don't tell me it's wrong. Mm. Oh, can you look at it through a slightly different set of eyes, especially when nobody else in the world is going to know other than the individual that's sharing with you the potential? I think that's a, a valuable part. And the other part, Mike, to me is that we're all capable of so much more than we realize, no matter how great life is in this moment. And, and to me, life is I call it. There's four quadrants to life. Right? You have your, your fitness, 
quadrant, you have your faith quadrant, whatever that means to you. You have your family quadrant, you have a finance quadrant. And that just, I keep things really simple in my life. And that each one of those, you're capable of more than you're realizing in this moment. And if you can realign that target, I might not care about six pack abs and being able to, you know, have 21 inch arms, that might not be your thing. But maybe it's the fact that you want to be able to crawl around on the floor with your grandchildren and not have any pain in your joints. Mm. Have that be the target. You can you can absolutely make that a reality effortlessly. If it's, you know, I want to grow this business to to 50 million. Well, why not make it 500 million? Right? There's, there's a, you're just as capable. It's the order of magnitude and difference is surprisingly not that not that much to me. Right? There's an extra zero, of course, and there's a slightly different skill set, but it's what's that target you're shooting at? And I think if someone were able to to really hold those two things from this from this episode of, gosh, you can do so much more than you give yourself credit for. And you might need to bring somebody else in for just a moment in time to show you how much more you're capable of. I think those two things would be great, great values to be as as they're, as they're listening to us have our conversation. Ryan, for those listening to this episode who said, gosh, I want to learn a little bit more, what's the best way for folks to reach out to Ryan? Yeah, thanks, Mike. So just as, as simply as ryannidell.com, that's R-Y-A-N-N-I-D-D-E-L, looks like middle, certainly been called way worse in my life. But that's it's, it's consistent on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or my email list. It's just everything's ryannidell.com. Well, I have a team of people that support me. Any of those social handles, I take pride in the fact I'm actually the one that's responding to any message or any sort of direct conversation. And Mike, my, my thought process is, you know, be be a humble servant. So if there's something I do to help you, please feel free to drop me a message. It's not going to try to sell you something or pitch you something. It's information is information's free. Let's just let's see how we can help each other. Ryan, you have an excellent website. You have a strong online presence. We will include that information in the show notes. I want to thank you for sharing just a bit of your expertise and your passion for helping business leaders think bigger and act accordingly. Thanks for sharing your thoughts today. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. Thank you. And Mike, may I, may I trouble you if I if I may? Who is your ideal client, right? What's if, if you know taking off the podcast side and talking more of the business side? Mm-hmm. The, the part that I'm at in life, I'm always looking for people that are brilliant, professional, proven track record, right? What does that What does that client look like for you? I guess the short answer is in an ideal setting. I have had the good fortune in my career to work in fast growing manufacturing companies. And therefore, I have an understanding of the challenges that that presents. As a business owner with bench builders, I would much prefer to work with companies that are growing, but are beginning to realize that they're experiencing the growing pains. And that's in large part why I opened this podcast by describing that the problems that most typically that they're experiencing usually start with people problems, something related. And I describe people, process, and planning. The process issues that most typically need to be addressed usually center around people processes. How are you? 
bringing people in? How are you developing them? How are you plugging them? How are you giving them a sense that they're plugged in and that they can set sights on a, a future and come enjoy and stay and thrive within your company? So an ideal client for me would be an organization that is growing, but it started to kind of hit some of those roadblocks. And if you were to step back and look how I most typically help those clients, it's really focusing on the fundamentals. It's primarily focusing on training and coaching. Coaching one-on-one -on -one leaders and leadership teams. And training, more often than not, it's the people skills training that is needed most. So that's kind of the niche that we most oftentimes fill. Training and coaching, and it's tailored to their specific issues, whereas everything that we're doing together is designed to build a culture or establish a culture that has eluded them. And so as I've been listening to you share kind of how you come into an organization is if I had my druthers, I love working with entrepreneurs because they understand that you have to be willing to take a risk. But investing in your people through coaching, training, by developing your business, you sometimes you're having to just stop and ask, am I investing properly in my people? Whereas you're asking questions, am I investing in the business and other aspects? So I see the two as very complementary. How does that answer your question? Answers it very well. I mean, I, there, there's something like, again, whether without to get too, too much into religious conversations, there's sometimes I connect with someone and there's, there's this voice of there's something else there. And I, I don't know what that is. And I'm not trying to, you know, project what it could be, but the businesses that I am, that I own physically, not nothing I'm consulted for, but that's also very relevant. The businesses that I own because of the growth, these things are breaking consistently. And I'm, I'm going back and forth with, okay, I can see more growth and my job is to keep the growth going, but I'm looking for people to help me keep the culture growing at the same pace because there's, there's only so much of all of us to go around. And I believe in those four pillars of life, you know, you gotta have a level of balance, right? And I, I guess balance is also a little bit of a misnomer, but it's very easy for me to put, you know, 22 hours a day into a business and not think twice for, for months on end doesn't wouldn't bode so well for my my wife my daughter or or any other part of my life and so i share that with there's just there's just something here to have a, an ongoing conversation i feel of of what it might look like to have you you know consult come in coach whatever the proper terminology would be for for one or two of the businesses that i have i have two supplement manufacturing businesses out of salt lake city utah that are a company called arete manufacturing like they're Gosh, how conservatively we'll do 15 million in revenue. We're still in the growing pain phase, right? It accidentally became an owner of that business. It, it wasn't intentional. I go through a whole long dissertation on what that is, but short story, invested capital, thought the CEO was a little different than he was. CEO decided he didn't want to run a, a really clean shop, right? I'm GMP compliant and want to FDA compliant. Like there's, there's just no, there's no gray in that space to me. If someone's putting something in their body, we need to operate at the, at the highest integrity that, that exists. I don't care what, what we can do. I care what we should do. 
And so that individual decided he didn't want to be partners with, with me any longer. So I'm, I'm now the proud, proud owner of this manufacturing business that's on the other side of the country that is, is going through some cultural pain points right now because the, the staff is we're getting into what I call a performance oriented type of type of business where there's clear KPIs, there's clear expectations, there's there's clear bonuses to support when someone needs or achieves their objectives. The cultural shift, and I'm I'm unable to potentially unwilling to, probably some of both at this moment, focus my attention into helping cultivate that culture because I'm looking at the dollars and cents saying, okay, until I get to 25, 26 million, it's just not as profitable as I need it to be with the CapEx that went in to get it to this point in time and the depreciation cycle on the, on the machinery and some of the overhead allocations that we have. It's, it's I, need it, I need the top line <laughs> to, to grow. And so I share that a little, I don't say sheepishly, but candidly with you, Mike, that I'd like to explore what it could look like to have you spend time with us. Well, I appreciate. Now, we are still recording, and this may very well stay in the the finished episode. I'm flattered by what you say. What I would say to the listeners who've kind of listened in on this conversation, this is a very good illustration of being a podcast host, what this does for me, I learn from the guest each and every time. I hope you, the listener, you, the viewer, are also learning. And so what I would like to do, if you don't mind, I want to go ahead and wrap up the podcast itself. But be yeah. assured, I would love to continue that conversation. The four pillars that you shared, I personally adhere to the same as an ideal. You made reference to balance. It seems as if many people and many organizations are out of balance. And writing that sense of balance adds real purpose to what I get a chance to do. So I'll go back to saying thank you for being a guest. And I also want to thank our listeners for joining us today. And I appreciate you letting us just kind of have that additional conversation. But that's how life works. You, you build relationships and you don't know where they might would go. We upload the latest episode every Thursday to all the major platforms, including Apple and Spotify. So if you've enjoyed this episode like I have with Ryan, please subscribe. Now, this is the typical way in which I close these podcasts, and it reads, are you trying to grow your business and you want to make sure you've got the right people, processes, and planning systems in place to grow smoothly? If yes, I invite you to Let's Talk. Head over to unstuck.show and schedule a quick non-sales call. We're going to talk about your growth goals and explore practical steps that you can take now to make sure that that growth, in fact, does happen. So I want to thank you, the listeners, for joining us. And I hope you have picked up some tips from Ryan that will help you get unstuck and on target. Until next time. <music>